back in the days of the horse and buggy, a story told about a well-known agnostic speaker who was on the lecture circle by the name of Thomas Huxley. And one day he was speaking in Dublin, Ireland, and uh, when he finished his speaking engagement, he literally ran out of the hotel trying to catch the last train out. So he jumped in one of those well-known horse and buggy taxis of those days, and thinking that the doorman has told the driver where he's going, that he's going to the train station. And so he jumps in the buggy, and he says to the driver, simply said, um, drive as fast as you can. So the taxi driver set off at a breakneck speed. I mean, he got these horses going. But after a few minutes, Huxley realized that the driver is going the wrong way from the train station. And so he kind of yelled at him and said, Driver, do you know where you're going? He said, No, Your Honor, but I am driving fast. (laughs) Beloved, this is a true picture of Western society and Western culture today. We are engaged in frantic activities that are disguising restlessness and uh, rootlessness and, and the loss of direction. And the faster our cultures depart from the one true God, from our biblical roots, the deeper we plunge into confusion and fear, anxiety, restlessness, and loneliness. In fact, some people thought that social media is going to help connect us closer to each other. And in reality, everything I read, that social media is doing the opposite. So many of us, including your pastor, have said and complained bitterly of how dark our world is and how darker it's becoming. Uh, You've heard me say that, and I've heard so many people say that. And it is true. It's not denying that. But those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ should know that these are great opportunities for helping people to turn to Christ. Now, in the last message, we saw how, because of Adam and Eve's disobedience to the Lord, they lost being citizens of the city of God in the Garden of Eden, and they had to live outside in the city of man. Those two humanities began to be created from that moment on, from the moment of their rebellion. And God is the one who really created the line of demarcation in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when he said, the seed of the woman versus the seed of the serpent. These are all symbolic. Those who are descendants of the woman follow the descendant of the woman, the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are descendants of the serpent are those who have rejected the one true God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that it was God who created the line of demarcation. It wasn't man, but God. One humanity represented in Cain that rebelled against God and even went further from just living outside of the city of God or the Garden of Eden to building his own city. He went into the land of Nod, of of land of nowhere, and he built a city in rebellion against God. And that city continued with his descendant Lamech. Lamech was a violent man and bragged about his violence and bloodshed. But thankfully, he had an offspring named Enoch, 
who walked with God, and he feared God. And the Bible continues this line of demarcation between those who belong to the city of God and those who belong to the city of man, between those who are the descendants, symbolic speaking, of the serpent and those who are descendants of the Lord Jesus Christ. This line becomes even clearer after the flood, where God saved Noah and his family from the flood in the ark. Today, I want to show you how in both the Old and the New Testament, Babylon occupies a very important symbolic place. Babylon came to represent the city of man. The earthly Jerusalem came to represent the city of God. And that is why when Israel sinned against God and continued sinning against God, continued rebelling against God, after prophet after prophet tried to turn them, they kept defying God. God of all the people of the earth, He chose the king of Babylon to come and judge His own people, Israel, and attack the city of God. The city of man, Babylon, is attacking the city of God, Jerusalem. Listen carefully now. Babylon is a symbolic of every people, every culture that opposes God. Jerusalem is a symbol of every city and every culture, every society that loves God. And that is why at the end of time, at the end of time, which we seem to be heading toward, John the Revelator, in Revelation chapter 21, he has a vision of the new city, the new Jerusalem, the divine city, the city of God coming down from heaven. This city, not the old city, Jerusalem, but the new city coming down from heaven. In the next message, I'm going to show you from the Scripture how the very first person who had a vision for that city coming from heaven was Abraham. Turn with me, please, to chapters 10 and 11 of Genesis. Here I'm going to show you how the city of man was founded by Cain, progressed in a downward direction. Evil, my beloved friends, evil never stands still. If you allow evil in your life, if you allow evil in your home, if you allow evil in your church, if you allow evil in society, evil cannot stand still. It will keep going down and down and down and down. It cannot stand still. It can only get worse. And that's what happened. Adam and Eve lived outside of the garden. Cain went and built a city to run away from God. Now we see Nimrod building a city in defiance of God. Now, in the last message, we saw how Noah, the preacher of righteousness, was pleading with people, turn to God, turn to God, be saved from the coming flood, be saved from the coming flood. They mocked him. They jeered him. They laughed at him. But then God took him and his family and inside that ark, and he saved them. He had three sons, three sons. After the flood, they came out, and their names were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And God said to them to repopulate the earth. Ham sinned against his father, and therefore he received the curse, and that curse continued on to his descendants. But then Shem was respectful of his father, honored his father, and he received the blessing. 
And that blessing continued on to his descendants. And that is why I want to take a moment and just speak to the young people here today. Just listen to me for a minute. When you obey your godly parents, you will receive a blessing, and that blessing is going to be with you forever and even your next generation. Don't ever forget that. Ham's descendant was Nimrod. Nimrod, who took rebellion against God to a new law. Nimrod's attitude is very similar to attitude of so many people in our culture today, including some of our leaders. Who is this God who tells us what to do? What are these moral absolutes? Where did they come from? And we don't like them. <laughs> what kind of a God who wants to restrict our pleasure, no matter how perverted it may be? We can legislate him out of our society. We can muzzle all of his followers so they will not make us feel guilty about our perverted pleasure. Nimrod, like many in our society today, many of our leaders today, instead of recognizing their sin and the consequences of sin and the curse of sin and turned to God, he instead built Babylon, a city that stood in defiance to God. This is exactly what happened now all over the Western culture. Instead of acknowledging and thanking the God who delivered us in Second World War from the evils of Nazism and fascism, we give ourselves the credit. Today, instead of knowing and bowing down to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in gratitude for all of His blessings and even for our Western civilization, instead we bow to political correctness, we bow to materialism, we bow to our own intellect, and we bow to pluralism. Instead of making wise decisions and laws, we are giving the foxes the keys to the hen houses so that we can be destroyed from within. Genesis 10, 8 to 12, and Genesis 11, 1 to 9, you see the beginning of what we are seeing now at the end times. You see, like beginning, the end is going to be very similar and in a very same geographical location in the Middle East. Nimrod decided to build the city of Babylon, a city that opposes the very true God who saved their ancestors from the flood. Short memories, short attention span. It's not just from our modern day. It happened there. Verse 4 of chapter 11. In that city, they wanted to build a tower, and that tower in some way connected to heaven. Let me break the word Babel. Babel is the name of the Hebrew word for Babylon. Bab-el. Bab is the same word in, translated from Hebrew, Aramaic, and Arabic. word means door. El, you know who El is? Emmanuel, God. A door to God. What they want to do is to create a back door to God. You see, they wanted to come to God their way. They want to reach to God their own way. Now, most of your translation says, reach heaven. This is any more reaching than your, this telephone commercial old one used to say, reach out and touch someone. How can you reach someone with the phone? You couldn't. But it's a symbolic word, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. It's very important. Because some people thought, 
Oh, man, they were so foolish back then. They're not as bright as we are. They were not scientifically in tuned as we are. And in their foolishness, they thought they can really build a tower and they reach all the way to heaven. They couldn't understand the space and the millions of miles that is away. It is not so. That's not what they were doing. They were building a civilizations will not only make the God of their forefathers obsolete, but they're building a civilization that opposed to the God of their ancestors. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. (laughs) From that moment of history, Babylon came to occupy a very significant place in the whole of the Bible. In fact, I think the symbolic explanation or the symbolic meaning of Babylon cannot be exaggerated in the Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation 21, Babylon is a symbol of living for self at enmity with God. Because self will always be at enmity with God. Let me prove it to you. When God's judgment fell upon Israel, after year after year, 200 years of rejecting God, rejecting God, who did God choose as an instrument of judgment? Of all the people of the earth, He used the Babylonians. What was the religion of the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon? Self-worship. He was narcissistic, self-worshipping dude. Beloved, listen to me. We are up to our eyeballs in narcissistic, self-worshipping dudes and dudettes. (laughs) He wanted everyone to bow and worship the image of himself. The biblical, clear biblical characteristic of the Antichrist when he shows up at the end of time. I mean, there are many other things in the Bible about the Antichrist. What's the one thing that is absolutely stand out? Is it going to be what? Narcissistic, self-worshipping dude. (laughs) The world is being prepared for the Antichrist. Eventually, he's going to demand that people worship him, and he is a mask of Satan. No wonder Babylon came to represent not only enmity with the only one true God, but also the religion of self-worship. Do you recognize where we are as a culture today? Can you see it? (laughs) Before I get carried away, let me give you three characteristics of the original Babylon that are duplicated in every modern-day Babylon, which is deeply embedded in our Western society today. Three characteristics. First of all, it was a city without the one true God. Secondly, it was a city that was stealing God's glory and giving it to themselves. And thirdly, it was a city that was dedicated to self-worship, a city without the one true God. Look at Europe today, a continent that has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and the true Christian faith. After 500 years of Reformation, they rejected the Christian faith. But what is happening as a result of that is that they're living in terror and fear. Terror and fear is always the consequences of rejecting the one true God. While the Muslim population in Europe is doubling every eight years, the European population is dwindling. Beloved, any city, any culture, any society that keeps out the one true God, any government that outlaws 
the God of the Bible, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His absolutes, any people who reject the one and only Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will end up living in terror and fear. The citizens of Babylon, in a deliberate act of rejection of the one true God, the God of their ancestors, they ended up building not only a city, but a tower inside that city, which was dedicated to the worshiping of the occult. And whenever that self-worship, that self-focus takes place, the only consequence will be fear and terror. And that is why the Bible speaks of the mystery of Babylon. What is the mystery of Babylon? As a matter of fact, Revelation 17.5 says that Babylon is the mother of harlots. That is the origin of all unfaithfulness to God. It's the center of abomination on the earth. And what is this mystery of Babylon? <laughs> Listen carefully. It is any household, it's any community, it's any denomination, it is any city, it is any civilization, it is any nation that rejects God's moral absolutes and begin to live with their own instinct and invented morality. That is the mystery of Babylon. From Genesis 11 to Revelation, Babylon becomes synonymous with the rejection of the God of the Bible. So I have a question. What message was God giving His people Israel? Don't you ever forget though, the, the apple of His eye, whom He redeemed from the slavery of Egypt? He loved Israel. But what instrument did He use in order to judge them for their sin and rebellion? <laughs> the Babylonians were His instrument of His judgment, of all the people of the earth, as if to say to His own people Israel, when you, my people, who should have known better, reject me, the one true God, your God, you're worse than the Babylonians. Think about this. It tears you up. Think about it. Let me ask you this again. Do you think God is saying to us in the West today, you have rejected me? You who should have known better? You are worse than Muslim terrorists. And he's using them to terrorize Western civilization. They're the modern-day Babylonians. Think about this long and hard. By the way, all of the false gods of Egypt and Rome and Athens and India, all these false gods, they all came from Babylon. These Babylonian evangelists went all over the world preaching the gospel of anti-God. They wanted a city without God in their city. Secondly, they wanted to steal God's glory. Think about this. If they really want to build physically a tower that goes to heaven, wouldn't they have gone to the mountain to get some, you know, leg up? <laughs> Not in the valley. <laughs> they were building it in the valley. No, 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 no. This was a symbolic way of saying that they wanted to worship the stars, that they wanted to know what the stars have said to them personally. They wanted, and they're so self-focused, they thought that the stars can speak to them. So more literally translated would be something like they wanted to be in or on or with or by heaven. <laughs> what does it mean? On the top of that 
tower, there were at top a roof that was dedicated to the zodiac. Astrology is based on the zodiac. Astrology originated in Babylon. Astrology is associated with self-worship. And from Babylon, it went all the way to Egypt. As a matter of fact, when astrology came into Egypt and got mixed up with local animism of Egypt, it produced the pyramids and the sphinx. You say, how come? The pyramids of Egypt, they were constructed mathematically in relationship to the stars. Even the sphinx has astrological significance. The sphinx has the head of a woman, which symbolized Virgo, the first sign of the zodiac. And the body is a body of a lion, symbolizing Leo, the last sign of the zodiac. And thus, the sphinx of Egypt links the first and the last signs of the zodiac. This is more than you want to know, but you need to know. There is a revival going on of this. I mean, there's a revival of the Babylonian zodiac taking place in our culture. So there are millions upon millions upon millions of people in the United States and in Europe who live by the signs of the zodiac. When God's people were in Egypt for nearly 400 years, and they came out of Egypt and redeemed by the Lord, when they came out into Sinai Desert, they were up to their eyeballs in this stuff. <laughs> and that is why God told them again and again and again and again, Leviticus 19.31, Deuteronomy 18, that they should not worship the zodiac. Why? Because the zodiac is a front for Satan. Now, whether most people really know it or think about it or not, what they're doing, if they live by the horoscopes and by the stars, they are actually dabbling with something that is satanic. Babylon were stealing God's glory and giving it to themselves, but in reality they were not giving it to themselves, they were handing it to Satan. Babylon was a symbol of any society that rejects the one true God. Babylon is a society, any society that steals the glory of God. And thirdly, Babylon is any society where man is glorified and not God. See, the Bible says the Babylonians took counsel. They got together and took a counsel. They discussed this issue. Let's build a city with a tower for the worship of the stars. Why? Look at verse 4 of chapter 11. It tells you exactly why. It tells you why. So that we may make a name for ourselves. <laughs> we don't like Yahweh. He's too constricting. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to be the major of all things. Please understand that self-preservation is God's gift to humanity for survival, just like all the other gifts that God gives us. God gave us the gift of fear. Why? So that we may fear God, but instead Satan perverted it and make us fear Him and evil people. The gift of pleasure. Pleasure is God's idea, not man's idea, but Satan perverted it. You see? And here, the very gift for survival, he perverted it again and turned it into self-worship. Someone may say, well, Michael, 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 Michael. Nobody really worships self. I really haven't seen anybody worshiping themselves. Uh, certainly not among Christians. I mean, th this is just way out there. I've never seen anyone look in the mirror and bow down to themselves. Let me ask you, how much of God's gift of time 
does God get? How much of God's gift of money does God get? How much of God's gift of intellect does God get? Today in America, the God of self reigns supreme. My goodness, watch the commercials. All the commercials. Self, 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 self. Even we have a magazine called Self. This powerful God of self is reviving the Babylonian religion in our society and replacing the one true God. And that is why the judgment for that sin is going to be Islamic terrorism. Listen to me. I wish to God I was not able to say that. But notice, even when people today would volunteer or do some good things, when you ask them the question and you say, why? It makes me feel good. The God of self is reigning supreme. Hear me right, please. The God of self has invaded many a church. Now, that makes me weep. Listen to some of the entertaining preachers. Listen to them very carefully. It's me, 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 me. Listen to some of the entertaining music in some churches. Be on your guard, my beloved friends of the God of self. Be on your guard, believers who know the Lord Jesus. Be on your guard of the God of self. Do you know why? Because it is a very subtle God. Because it's very easily accommodated. Because it's very easily rationalized. Because it's very easily explained. I have needs. Why? I'm warning you against this God of self, the Babylonian God being revived today. Why I'm warning you, I warn myself on a regular basis, trust me, because God is a jealous God. We forget this in our busyness in life. We forget that our God is a jealous God. God is jealous, and He does not take lightly when His bride go into infidelity and unfaithfulness any more than a spouse, not hurt deeply when the spouse goes into infidelity and immorality and unfaithfulness and adultery. God does not like to have rivals when it comes to His bride. God does not like to be sidelined, even if we can rationalize it in our head. Beloved, the consequences of misplaced love, the consequences of misplaced worship, the consequences of misplaced devotion will produce no other than fear, terror, anxiety, and restlessness. The Bible said when the Babylonian took counsel and decided to go up their way, not God's way, our way, God the Holy Trinity took counsel. And it said... We go down and confuse them. The Babylonian assembled their council to bypass God. The Holy Trinity assembled their council and decided it's time to make them look like babbling idiots. It's not in the Bible. I'm making it up. But you know what I mean. We talk about a person babbling. That's where it comes from. The Babylonians assembled to steal God's glory. The Holy Trinity assembled to confuse them and make confusion to be their fate. Verse 7, God said, let's go down and confuse their language. Who is us? Let us. God, the Holy Trinity, 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God since before eternity, will one day conclude that enough is enough. Make no mistake about it. God, the Holy Trinity, will always prevail. God, the Holy Trinity, always win. God, the Holy Trinity, always will have the last word. God, the Holy Trinity, always have the upper hand. Many of you will testify to the fact that we have never seen more confusion than we're seeing in our day. That's confused people. When babies can be murdered in their mother's womb, but a tree is sacred, that's confusion. Now, I don't want to leave you without the rest of the story, namely that God will have the last word, that they may think that they can go up without God, but God will come down to judge them. Our generation says our science will save us, and God says your science looks like a pimple on the face of humanity. And they may say our wealth will save us, God says, you all look like ants from up here. All of the self-esteem and all of the self-image is like dust to God. And so let me give you a word of, to the faithful. Now, if you're a person who never committed your life to Jesus Christ, you've never asked Him to forgive your sins and to restore you to Himself, and you receive Him as Savior and Lord, that's your first step. But that word is for those who have done that. This word is for the faithful. I want you to listen very carefully, please. No matter how dark it may get, our God is the God of power and might. No matter how chilling and challenging times are going to be, our God will give us the ultimate victory. No matter how the powerful and the mighty forces attack us and work against us and they use their power and use their force against us, we end up winning. No matter how much they may persecute us, we are on the winning side. No matter how much they may ridicule us, it's okay, count it all joy. We are victorious in Jesus' name. The question I want to leave with you, when you look up, do you see Jesus or do you see your problems and your challenges? And there are plenty of them for all of us. What do you see when you look up? Do you see the mighty, victorious Jesus with the sword in His hand, tattoo on His thigh, ready to come and judge the world, the living and the dead? Or do you see hopelessness? I pray to God that the answer would be with you moment by moment, day by day, every moment of, your, of waking moment, that every time you look up, you see who? Jesus. Father, we are indebted to you. We are thankful for your word. And Lord, we know that we can read the last chapter, even though we may go through the other chapters we read the last chapter, and it tells us that we win. Help us to be positive, victorious. Help us not to be negative or fearful, because that is not of you. You have not given us the spirit of fear. The world might be fearing and dropping dead all around us, but we will stand up and say, Jesus saves. In his name I pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.